It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Everybody, I told you, I'll be back. And here he is, he's back with more Thunder Down Under with Ben Price. Hey, thank you so much. It's uh, Ben Price here with Thunder Down Under, and uh, I can't believe I've got Arnold Schwarzenegger here to uh, introduce this. Wow, it's uh, incredible. You know, fellow Aussie, uh, he's Austrian, so absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, one of my deep fake videos that I do. I love to uh, do a few of those, but uh, this is going to be the real deal. And uh, this message is called 100,000. And I do. Uh, warn you that it is going to be a little bit more on the serious side. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be fun to uh, share this because it's, it's, it's a real passion of mine, um, evangelism. Now, first and foremost, I, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But, uh, you know, the, the reason I'm here, well, what, what would be the reason I'm here on earth? Uh, let me ask you a question first before that is, why did Jesus come to earth? And uh, that could be summed up in a sermon series that could go on for a very long time, uh, you know, probably more than the World War II series that Eric did. We could we could expand that for a couple of years, right? Because there is such an in-depth answer to that question. We could write books about why did he come to earth? Uh, we could give a very long answer or we could say it very uh, succinctly as Jesus did in Luke 19.10, the story of Zacchaeus. And he said, the son of man, which is the name of Jesus, came to seek and save the lost or, or that which was lost. And uh, I, I love that. That's the heart cry of Jesus. That's why he came to to rescue the lost. And you even see that in uh, Isaiah where it's prophesied that the, the people uh, were lost in darkness and on them a light has shone. And so, and you even see it in the parables of Jesus, the, the lost coin and uh, the lost sheep and of course the lost son. And so Jesus has this heart this heart cry for the lost. That's the son of man. He came to seek and save the lost. Now, what, what's my heart cry? Uh, well, it's interesting because I, I go out sharing the gospel every Friday night. And so uh, we, we go to a place called uh, Dandenong, usually, which is uh, located probably about 10 minutes drive from where I live. And so, uh, yeah, please pray for that. Um, we go out with a five or six of us, and we get a few more sometimes, and uh, it's just great. We go into an area, it's very um, multicultural, and uh, you'd think it's just all Australians. Well, it's very rare that you'll see Australians where I go. Uh, you actually get to see, it's like being on a mini missions trip. Uh, predominantly, there's a lot of Afghans, um, so we kind of nickname it Afghaninong, or Sudandinong, because there's a lot of Sudanese. Uh, there's a lot of Indians too. It's like so much fun for someone who does accents. And But seriously, there's so many. Uh, you see people from Samoa. Uh, the Samoans, they have this... Uh, they, they look so big. They're so huge, these guys. But, but they have this, you know, high-pitched voice. Hey! <laughs> they're, they're a lot of fun to... Um, to mimic, but they're lovely people and uh, great to share the gospel with. And I've shared the gospel with so many different nationalities. And some people will say that question, you know, why are you here? And we explain, we're here to, you know, bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And we hand out tracts and we explain them the gospel. But some people even say, but why? What? Why would you do this? Like, you, you know, you've got a family, you could be at home. And if you were to ask me what's 
my heart cry? What's my aim? Well, it's it's not to go out uh, on the streets because this particular place where we go, it's not the place that I'd ideally like to hang out on a Friday night. And for some reason, I don't know why there's a spot we stand and it's outside the the uh, the library of that city where it's it's just got this wind tunnel and it's so cold. And yet, whenever we finish, we're just filled with this incredible joy. There's nothing really natural about going, oh, that was fun hanging outside for two hours being freezing. <laughs> and, you know, it's not snowing or anything like that, but it's just this wind chill. And it's just like, oh, I don't want to be outside. I don't want to talk to strangers, but there's something strange in me because people say, why would you be here on a Friday night? You could be home with your family. And if I was to say, honestly, my heart cry, well, I'd love to be at home watching a movie, having a pizza, sitting at home with my my wife and kids. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I love to do that. However, there's something in me that loves the lost. And that's because, you know, Jesus says in, in Hebrews that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. And so we are, uh, you know, the temple of God. So Christ dwells in us. Therefore, Christ, if he's going to be that that seeks and save the lost back, you know, 2000 years ago, he's still going to want to do that in and through Christians today. So it's not my natural heart cry to seek and save the lost. My natural inclination is to do whatever I want. But because I've been twice born because Christ lives in me. I have this desire to seek and save the lost. In fact, it's been in me since I was a kid. In fact, there was a while where it it just wasn't there. It sort of became a little lukewarm. And that's my, my testimony, which is a longer story. But uh, when I was a kid, when I was seven years old, can you believe this? It, it's almost nearly, nearly 40 years ago. Not quite, but yeah. So when I was about seven... And I knew uh, the basics of right and wrong, good and evil, heaven and hell, God and, and Satan. And that had been taught to me when you when you train a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And that is true. Although I've you know wandered a little, but, but I've always came back to that uh, centrality of Christ. But when I was a kid, uh, I knew that. And there was this understanding, well, if people don't know Jesus... And they go to hell. And we've got the truth. Should we not go out and tell them? And I remember my mum saying, yeah, that's exactly what we must do. And I didn't even know about the Great Commission when I was seven. I, I mean, I'm, I may have heard about it, but it wasn't fresh in my mind. When I was seven years of age, it was just like logical. If they don't know Jesus and we've got the answer, we've got to tell them. And so I, in haste, you know, went to the park with my friend, Tim, and uh, I said, come on, you're coming with me and, and we're going to share the gospel. We, I just open air preached. <laughs> and I vividly remember going, hey, there was about five or six guys there who were, um, I, I vaguely remember these guys. They went to the same school that I did and uh, same primary school or you may say elementary school. We're all around seven years of age. And uh, I, I was going, hey, do you guys believe in Jesus? And they're like, no. And I said, well, you need to, or you'll go to hell. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty, you know, blunt and straight to the chase. <laughs> and I even remember, you know, say, well, what, what do you think happens when we die? And one of the kids was saying, well, you just get buried and um, cobwebs grow over your grave. 
And and my apologetics was nah. And he's like, nah. And I'm like, nah, nah. And it was this nah, nah, nah fight. And we, we didn't resolve anything, but I said, no, nah, you have to believe. <laughs> you just have to believe. Um, apologetics is something in evangelism where, you know, it's, Peter talks about giving a defense for the hope that is in us and, and doing it with gentleness and respect, or some versions will say uh, meekness and fear. And it's just this, this reverence um, that we have. And because we're dealing with some eternal salvation. And, uh, but the, the word defense there, if you go to the Greek, it's uh, apologia, or I, I guess you'd say apologia. That sounded more Italian, but um, yeah, I know a little Greek and you know, he's about this tall. And so, uh, yeah, the apologia is the apologetic. So that was the extent of it. Like, nah, you got to believe, nah. And um, I used to tell that to my, I had a friend, uh, was his name was Simon, what well, still is. And uh, yeah, I, I used to say the same to him. He lived across the road from me. I said, Simon, you got to believe, you got to believe, mate. And um, and he said the same thing. Nah, yeah, mum and dad told me it's it's all made up. It's not true. And I said, you have to believe. He was my best friend. I said, you have to believe, mate. And he just didn't want to believe. And uh, yeah, it was one night he stayed over at my house on a Friday night and we were having a, a sleeper, which was the best thing, you know, growing up in the 80s. And just, yeah, I don't know why that's such a good idea. The thought of, I like having friends over, but there's a certain time where it's like, you need to go home sleeping over you don't have to but uh in the 80s was the best thing you know kids love it sleepovers and um there was a huge storm i remember i vividly remember seeing uh this fork lightning in the sky and it was it was pretty scary when you're looking at it it's kind of scary but it's cool at the same time i just remember going, oh wow and and simon was pretty petrified and i kind of used that to my advantage and i sort of said hey simon we could die in this storm and you'd go to hell. And he's like, oh, and I said, you need to believe mate. And he said, all right, I'll believe, I'll believe. Now I'm not saying that's how you should evangelize, but you know, God used that uh, because Simon made a commitment to Christ. And I think mum, you know, helped lead him to Christ. <laughs> I didn't even know what to do. I just wanted people to come to the Lord. And, you know, to this day, he is still a believer. He's still a good friend. So it's amazing, you know, uh, how God worked in that situation. But I had this um, attitude of, I don't care when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I, I, I didn't care what people thought of me. Uh, well, to a certain extent, you know, as far as knowing that I was unashamed of the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1.8, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, uh, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And uh, I was unashamed as a kid, did not care what people thought. And uh, as far as, you know, knowing that I'm a Christian, they had to know the truth. I would witness to as many people as I could at school on my cricket team. And uh, even when I you know first met girls and I remember... There was no social media, uh, really, back when, in the late 80s, when I was a teenager. And, you know, it was like ringing someone up on their telephone number and you'd memorize your friend's number. And I had a friend I went to ring and uh, I think I even still remember his number, but I messed uh, the number up by dialing one number different. And this this young girl answered the phone. She sounded like she's my age and I'm 15, full of hormones. And... I was like, oh, hey, we should just chat anyway. And 
and and we chatted for a long time. I never met this girl, but uh, she said at one point, you know, after several conversations, all you talk about is God. And that was it for me. I just, I couldn't help but talk about what was passionate to me and wanted people to know Christ. And so uh, this unashamed, I don't care if people think, you know, whatever, because I'm a Christian, they need to know the truth. I don't want anyone to perish. And that's that's God's heart. He wants none to perish. And uh, I was out to seek and save the lost. As I got older, uh, that was still there, but I became a little lukewarm. And that's not a good thing when you consider uh, in Revelation 3, the Laodicean church, very, very similar to the church in uh, the modern church we see today. And Jesus says, if you're neither hot nor cold, I'd rather spit you out of my mouth, which is to really vomit. And it's like, it, it makes God sick. And so I became lukewarm, which is not a good place to be. I, I still love the Lord. And, uh, but I, I just was, I, I'd become a little ashamed and we, we don't want that. You know, I have three kids and the thought of if someone said, you know, show me a photo of your kids oh, as a as a dad, you, you just go, oh, yeah, I've got lots of photos. Let me show you. Um, can you imagine if I just said, oh, I don't really want to show you a photo of my kids? I mean, they might be the same because, you know, two of them are teenagers. They get a little embarrassed at a lot of things. But I, I'm so happy to show that. And admittedly, we're not going to get persecuted. You'd hope, right? And yet, uh, I, I'm unashamed, but, uh, you know, I found that I was ashamed of telling people that, uh, I was a Christian, you know, I, I was a Christian, but I just didn't like telling people for a season of my life for, uh, which seemed a few years of my life where I'd go to church, but on, on the Monday, you know, after the Sunday, if someone says, what did you do on the weekend? I'd, I tell them things that I did, like I saw a movie or whatever and went out for dinner, but I'd neglect to say, well, I went to church and I just think, you know, what a wasted opportunity. I could have told them about Christ right there. Perfect opportunity. And uh, I missed it, you know, and that, that would bother me for a long, long time when I just couldn't muster up the courage to say, I'm a Christian. I would, I would get embarrassed because I didn't want them to think uh, well, you know, here's this guy, he's a comedian, he's kind of cool. And then they find out you're Christian. It's like, what? You're crazy. And so that, that was how it was for a long period of my life. And, uh, you know, it says in Matthew 5, 15, um, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, neither do you cover your light under a bowl or sometimes it says a, a bushel or a basket. Uh, yeah, who, who has a bushel? I don't know. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that looks like, but uh, you, you rather than doing that, you put it on a lampstand so the whole house could see. And so what I was doing was effectively, spiritually, um, putting a bowl or a basket over the lamp, the light that's in me. Christ Jesus is the light. And I was not letting that shine, not letting people see the light. I would just let, let them see it on a Sunday. Let them see it on a Wednesday at a Bible study. Let it see it around my family. But, you know, when I was out in the public where where we need to let our light shine, I was covering it up with a a bowl, if you like. And I, I remember saying it, it irritated me. And I, I had this thing where I, I used to talk about smashing the bowl. Uh, that became a little phrase that we'd say. We need to smash the bowl and just be like, who cares? 
Who cares if you lose popularity? Who cares if you lose friends? Um, come what may, I'm going to be unashamed. And um, it took a while. It took a <laughs> it took a while for God to do that in me. And um, if if I share my whole testimony, just just to cut it short, I I, I had anxiety. It was it was terrible anxiety. And uh, you know, I, I I I'm grateful that I had it. Not that I've that I've got it. It's something that I'm grateful just because I understand when people have it so that I can say, here's what to do. I know, you know, Bible says be anxious for nothing, but, but I believe God allowed it in me in order to humble me and to take away the pride that was in me and to get me, you know, humbled. So, you know, God will, uh, humble the exalted. So there was, there was still pride. There was things in my life. I was making my career, uh, the number one. And so that, that's a little bit of my story. And as a result of sort of really coming back to Christ, the gospel was first and foremost, the gospel of Jesus Christ needed to be proclaimed. And I was just so filled with passion to say, I need to share this again and be unashamed again. And yes, it does come at a cost. Yes, I've lost friends. Yes, I've lost popularity, I've lost income over it. And yet we know it's like that man who finds the pearl of great price, which, which I love. It's kind of pretty cool for my name, but uh, you would give up everything when you see how, how incredible it is, this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And you go, wow, man, I, who cares if I lose things because I've got this, this is everything. I've got Christ and man, it's just like, I, I want to share it with people. You can call me whatever you want. And and I had that raw passion reinstated that, that I had when I was a kid. And, and it, but this time with a greater understanding and a greater knowledge. And, and I'm so grateful that God has you know, done a work in me uh, to share and to cultivate that uh, heart cry again to seek and save the lost. Now, um, so I mentioned that this mess is called 100,000. So... Okay, where, where does that come from, 100,000? And so uh, you, you know I'm not great with numbers, but, uh, <laughs> excuse me, I do like statistics. I do like, you know, I think it's a sports thing that guys like some statistics and some of these ones are, well, I, I don't say that I like them, but um, I, I, I like to use these statistics to sort of challenge me. And, you know, the Bible talks about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few now, or it might say the harvesters are few. And it says, and therefore pray earnestly that there's going to be more workers or more harvesters will go out into the field. Now that's sometimes a prayer that we don't pray often. We know it, we know that verse, but how often are we praying that? And how often when we pray it, are we actually saying, hey, Lord, send me like Isaiah, here I am send me, you know, that's got to be something like, yeah, I, I can do it because we're all called to do this. Uh, the great commission is for every believer. It, you know, it's not just the early disciples and we just go, oh, that's good. That's a, that's a command for all of us. And, and Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's not just the 10 commandments. This, this is a command in scripture that we go, Hey, that's, Right here, right now, that's the, the living word. I, I've got to act upon that. There is a dying world out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we, we know that. We don't have to ask, go, yeah, can we get some statistics on that? We know 
in terms of sharing the gospel, there are not enough harvesters. There are not enough. Um, and I, I see this whenever I post, would you like to come with me to share the gospel? I have a page bought with a price with Ben Price. It's um, found on Facebook. So you, you can look that up if you like. But um, when we put out, hey, who'd like to come and be part of the sharing the gospel? The people would pray rather than actually come. Now, some people aren't in the area, so I understand that. But uh, yeah, it, it's hard to get people to share the gospel because it's like, oh, it. And I always think, you know, the, the body of Christ is, um, you know, we, we have prayer, we have Bible reading, we have fellowship. And a lot of this is sort of internal, but the, the external uh, arm of the body of Christ going out it's it's a difficult thing people go oh, yeah i'm glad there's people that can do that i'm more a prayer I'll, I'll be praying that's sort of my gifting you go out and do that well we are all called to do the work of an evangelist uh, we may not all be evangelists your gift might be you're a pastor or a teacher and so but but the gospel is something that we should all have in our hearts and and having that heart cry that Jesus said to seek and save the lost. So what is our harvest? Well, it's anyone who's not a believer. It's anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life or anyone whose citizenship is not in heaven. Anyone as, uh, you know, Jesus says in John 3, 3, who's not been born again. You know, unless we're born again, we will not See, by no means will we see the kingdom of God. And then that's a verse right there that just every time I read it, I think, man, that is such a verse we cannot just skip by. We've got to be born again. It's imperative if we're not, by no means will we enter the kingdom of God. And so it's anyone who's not a believer in Christ, who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And those people need to be reached. And, uh, so how many people does that equate to? Well, okay, so if you were to Google right now, uh, don't do it right now, but maybe later, okay, the world population is 7.7 something billion. Now, I can't give you the exact figure because it's going up and up and up like a speedometer. It's such a huge number and uh, it's incredible. Like <laughs> there's so many births that are happening. I don't know how the people at the... Uh, statistics cope with this on the phone. Oh, another one's born. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. Oh, it's so fast. You you can't even keep up with it. It's just like ticking over like this. And yet there's also um, simultaneously or, or, or simultaneously uh, deaths that are happening. Yeah. Um, people die every day. There's uh, 150,000 deaths every single day. And you see the death rate kind of going up and up and up, but the birth rate is actually uh, exponentially greater. In fact, here's, here's what's interesting. Um, we've got 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet right now uh, plus. And yet to 200 years ago, it was uh, the population had only reached 1 billion people. So in the last 200 years, we've seen a huge growth of uh, population. Isn't that incredible? Uh, just a little bit of trivia right there. So we're, you know, rapidly growing as a, as a, as a planet. And uh, it's incredible uh, how fast we're growing. What, what a time to be alive. There's never been so many people 
that need reaching for Jesus Christ for such a time as this. And so uh, how many of those 7.7 billion know Jesus? How many of them are born again? Well, we could go around asking them all. Um, that's going to take a while. But a uh, quick Google search will tell you. Again, get a good old Google. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll tell you uh, as close as it can, you know, because we all we have is census to go by. Uh, you remember Joseph and Mary would uh, take a trip to Bethlehem to fill out a census. Well, we just do it online. It's, it's far easier these days. And you can tick what religion you are. And uh, people might tick Christian uh, simply because they grew up with parents who were Christian or they uh, said a prayer when they were little, so they'll tick Christian. And it's kind of easy to kind of do something like that. Well, in actual fact, uh, not everyone that says, you know, Lord, Lord, uh, is, a, is going to be a believer. You know, uh, when the scriptures tell us, uh, you know, but Lord, we, you know, cast out demons in your name or uh, we did all these things in your name. But he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Which uh, I only want to hear those uh, words when we read scripture, because to hear those live would be terrifying. Uh, it sends chills down my spine just thinking about it. But uh, so I don't want to go there today in this message. That could be a whole other message, um, you know, because how do we really know who are believers? The Lord knows who are his. But according to Google, it tells us, that it's close to a third. What? So out of 7.7 .7 billion people, it's almost a third claim to be born again. Again, I don't believe that based on what I was just saying. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. And so, but for the sake of the argument, I'm going to say a third. It's not like every third person you meet is a brother of the Lord. Wow, you know. Wouldn't that be good? Even in, I've been to the Bible Belt in um, certain parts of the world, in, in parts of Texas or Missouri or Missouri. Uh, got some good friends down there. And, uh, you know, you sense that it's easier to bring up the gospel because people go to church. But are they all born again? Well, I don't know about that. And, uh, I mean, there are a lot who are, but, you know, it doesn't mean just because you go to church that they're a believer. And so, uh, but hey, I'm going to just be saying for the sake of this, a third are born again. So not great with maths, but this is something that I can simply work out. It's pretty, pretty simple. I think you'll figure this one out. Every day, as I mentioned, there's 150,000 people who die every single day. That's on average. And if you've ever read the, the obituaries in the newspaper, which I don't know if people still do that, um, they always die in alphabetical order. I don't quite understand that, but uh, no, uh, every single day it's appointed to everyone they'll die and then face judgment. It says Hebrews 9, 27. And so we're all going to face uh, God one day on judgment day, 10 out of 10 die. We all have an expiry date on our birth certificate one day. Um, that is true. So every day that many people die. So if in fact, one third claim to be born again. Let's go with that. Therefore, two thirds are not born again. So what does that mean? That means that every single day, every single 24 hours, 100,000 people are not going to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, 
100,000 people will go into hell every single day. Now, I mentioned this is a serious uh, message because nothing could be more serious than that right there. You know, we talk about um, COVID-19. I, I'm sorry to bring up the word. I hate you know hearing it every day. Can we go a day without hearing it? Uh, and yes, many people are getting it. Many people get sick. It's, it's a virus. Okay. The sin virus that we have that is affecting 7.7 billion people plus... There is no cure. There is no man-made cure or vaccine, shall we say. Uh, Well, there is one, but uh, we try to fix that. And yet we're all infected with this sin virus, which is far greater. And the consequences are not just that you might be on a ventilator or you'll just die. But in fact, it's eternal death. You see, there is nothing that we can do to rescue those in hell. There's a chasm. It's You cannot pass that. You know, the hand of mercy that God is offering is there for every single believer or every person, I should say. And yet the moment they pass from life to death, it becomes a hand of judgment. And, you know, God's not sending people to hell. It's, it's our own sin that's going to condemn us to hell. And, you know, oh man, it just grieves me to think a hundred thousand we talk about that if, if there were 100,000 people that died of COVID every year, we'd go, we need to do something. If that many people died of cancer every year, wow, we've got to do something. Or heart disease. And these are all good causes that we should help or do whatever we can. But hey, how much more? What a great cause this is right here. We can't just go, oh, well, it's not really my calling. Come on, guys. This is an emergency. When King David fought Goliath and, and he was wearing the armor of Saul and he was talking to Saul and he was uh, in the background there before he stood out on the, the battlefield. He said, is there not a cause? I mean, I've uh, done a lot of causes over the years. Is there not a greater cause than this to actually proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? This is the greatest cause on earth and we have the answer. And so there is right now, Two-thirds plus of the world uh, whose salvation is hanging in the balance and we have that capacity to rescue them. It's not our capacity. It's the capacity of the Holy Spirit or Christ in us. He does the work. We, we just deliver the message. That's all. And so I hope this will freshly stir you to say, hey, we've got to do something about this. There, there's a cause right here right now. And uh, I mean, you think about it, if a hundred thousand lives every single 24 hours, this is, you know, over a whole year, uh, that's 36 million lives. Wow. That's, that's like the population of Canada in a whole year straight to hell. If you talk about 10 years now, my youngest girl has just turned 10. It's just flown by. And yet in 10 years, 360 million, that is more people than the United States of America who have gone to hell. And there's nothing we can do. Yet we can now say, hey, enough's enough. We've got to do something. We are. It's not just that, hey, look at that. We're also commanded to. And, and you know, here's the thing. We have the Great Commission. We all know that Jesus said, go into the world, make disciples. Very uh, action 
orientated. And yet we know the go, but let's also remember there's a low because it says low, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we're not going solo. We're not going on our own because it's, I know a lot of us don't go because it terrifies us. And I will always say go with other people, but also remember that he is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And even when we're stuck for what to say and when we're in difficult situations, even persecution, he will give us, the spirit will give us the words to say. And so we have nothing to fear. And so I would love to see more and more people. Do you know, uh, this is what I heard, that 2% of Christians, so this really backs up the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. 2% of Christians in the United States share their faith regularly. Now, I don't know what it is in Australia where I live, but I have a feeling it would be way less. I don't know if it's 1%. Come on, guys. This this has got to be turned around. This has got to be something that we just say, no, let's. that's not good enough. Now that we know it, now that we can see it, hey, let's, let's reverse this. Let's make it 98% rather than 2%. Hey, wouldn't it be good if every single believer said, hey, we've been saved by the gospel because that's how we're saved. Let's share it. Let's actually do something to share it. I mean, we would see worldwide revival if everyone just started doing it. That's, I believe we would. And so many people would come to Christ and be spared um, in eternal hell. So I, I pray that, yes, there will be more harvesters that will go into the field because we have such a huge harvest and we have the capacity you know, there's that story of a man who walks, uh, I don't know if it's a true story, but it's it's a great uh, illustration of a man who walks past a, a lake and he sees a, a little girl who's drowning. And would he just walk on by and go, well, I don't know her. Or, or would he stop and say, I, I have the capacity to jump in, to get uncomfortable, to get really uncomfortable, wet. And it doesn't matter if my phone's in there. I don't even know this person but I can't let that girl drown. I must jump in. I must rescue her. And yet there are so many people around us in this world that, you know, 7.7 billion plus people who are drowning in their sin. And we have what it takes. We need to see it. We need our eyes opened like the uh, servant of Elisha who saw, wow, there, there are more with us than are against us. Um, I know that was a different picture, but we need our eyes open to see the situation because sometimes unless we see it uh, and we need to spiritually see it with our eyes to say, yes, God, give me the vision that you see that this people are lost. Give me that heart cry again that I once had, or maybe you haven't had it. Maybe you've gone, well, I'm glad someone else is doing it. It's very easy to say, glad you're on the front line doing it. I'll pray for you. Yes, do that. But also get on the front line. It's actually so much fun to share your faith and uh, to see people when they get it, when they go, oh, wow. They might even say, oh, wow. And that'd be a dream, right? But you see this little shift in their mind. You go, oh, yeah. And it starts to actually make sense. And it's just wonderful to be able to see that. And what a privilege. Even if they don't respond, we're called to bring the message. And so let's 
do it. Let's actually know that this is our great commission and we must do it. A couple little quotes here I want to share with you. One of my favorites is Leonard Ravenhill and he says, um, five minutes since I'm, I'm going to read it like Leonard Ravenhill because, you know, I, I, I listen to so many of his messages and he's one of my favorite vo- voices. But, you know, I mean, if you think about this, if, if you stepped inside heaven for a few minutes, you would see this from a different perspective. He says, five minutes inside eternity, and we will wish that we'd sacrificed more, wept more, loved more, grieved more, prayed more, sweated more, and given more. Isn't that amazing? It, it reminds me of um, the the movie Schindler's List, which, uh, you know, with, with Lee, Liam Neeson, will bleed Aslan the lion. But, but he didn't speak like, I, I love Liam Neeson's voice, but he um, he saw that he'd rescued so many Jews. And at the end, uh, they presented him with this, this ring and they said, here, this is for you. And he realized that so many people had been rescued and, and saved through what he had done by giving all these Jews work during the Second World War. It's a true story. I, I don't know how true it was in the movie, uh, where he talked about how he, he breaks down and he says, I could have done more. I'm, I'm not going to imitate him, but he said, you know, I could have done more. And when he realized what was it all about, it, it was about rescuing these. And he, he'd lived such a, a lavish lifestyle and wasted and squandered so much money. Yet he had done so much as they said, you have done so much. But he's like, I could have done more. And I don't want to be like that in my Christianity. I feel like sometimes I am because I, I feel like, God, I could have done so much. I've wasted so many years. I wasted so much time. Maybe maybe you've wasted time just scrolling endlessly at uh, social media, whatever that is, or you've just procrastinated and, and you've just watched so many YouTube videos or you've watched uh, so many movies or Netflix. And hey, I'm not here saying... Don't ever watch a movie. Don't ever be on social media. I'm just saying, hey, what's the priority? What's what's the real heart cry here? And that's to seek and save the lost. Because we can have a tendency to waste so much time with our lives. And I want to just stir you guys to say, come on, let's be all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be like Paul who says, I resolve nothing but to preach Christ and Christ crucified. Let's be that when we go out into the world and share the good news. Because if it's it's like that with like what Leonard Ravenhill says, five minutes inside eternity, we're not going to care about the things that we cared about. We're going to be singularly minded and just say, no, there's a, there's a situation. People must be saved. There's a couple more quotes I just want to read to you. One from um, William Booth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it as William Booth because he's the founder of the Salvation Army and he's, he's a fun voice to do. But he said, Some men's ambition is art. Some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. (coughs) Boy, that's that's tricky with that one. (laughs) But I want that to be my ambition, the souls of men. You know, we, we might be into other things like art or gold or you know holidays and whatever it is we're into i'm not saying we don't have interests but could we get back to realizing that every single day 
100,000 lives. And where I live in Melbourne, we have uh, Aussie rules football. And so we have, uh, which is like our version of the Super Bowl. It's um, called the MCG. Uh, and it, they just call it the G. It's actually the Melbourne Cricket Ground, but we shorten everything. And so they just call it the G. But 100,000 people fill that stadium to watch a football game. And I think, man, there's, there's that many people every single day who are perishing every single day that many people are perishing and we have the capacity let's be all about the gospel of Jesus Christ let's go into the world let's preach the gospel and remember not just the go remember the low I am with you always even to the end of the age that's the words of Jesus it's the last thing he left the disciples with so it's pretty important guys and just think is there not a cause this is this is the biggest cause guys i'm excited to see what's going to transpire if we are freshly stirred with the gospel of jesus christ and we see this earth changed for um for him and his glory let me pray lord i thank you for uh the gospel lord we would not have chosen it if we'd come up with it god it's only something that you've orchestrated right at the beginning of time you had that heart to seek and save you knew they'd be lost and you could have just snapped your fingers you could have just appeared and spoken but you chose the the foolish things to shame the wise and you chose us as vessels and what a privilege lord to not just be saved by the gospel, but to then be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and share this good news. And uh, it's the greatest news that we could ever bring. There is a huge harvest, but there are not enough harvesters or laborers. God, I pray you would send more into the field. And I pray that those who've been lukewarm or just, oh, I'll get around to it, Lord, would be inspired to say, God, I must go. I can't sit around and wait any longer. Please, God, send many in these times, oh God, when it's desperately needed, I pray we will see great results, even revival happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you're listening via podcast or via podcast, I uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.